Today's Gospel reading comes from Matthew 25, excuse me. A very familiar parable, well told by Miss Patty. Sometimes these can be so familiar that we have a hard time giving ourselves over to that world because we know what's coming. But I'm going to ask that we do for a moment. Uh, let's step inside the world of this parable and see what there is to see. Matthew 25, verse 14. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, another two, to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See? I made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been trustworthy. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, where I, I gather, where I did not scatter, that you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what is my own with interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to the one with ten. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave... Throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Don't panic. Okay? Don't panic. I know that you have likely been conditioned by years of stewardship sermons. That you're already thinking, is today stewardship Sunday? Like... I saw a few of you, as I was reading the passage, instinctively and consciously reach for your wallet and, and look just to make sure no one had, had stolen it from you yet. If you've been in church for a while, I'm guessing you've heard this parable before, and it's usually on Stewardship Sunday, and so you're already primed up, ready to go. Okay, this preacher's going to have three points. It's going to be about time, talents, and treasures. And if he's going to pull an advanced maneuver, he's going to say it's not about money, and he's going to encourage us to be more involved with our time, with our abilities, our gifts, and those things, and give them over to the church. That's if he's advanced, if he's going to pull an advanced maneuver. But it's more than just money, right? 
Uh, honey, start filling out the check right now. We need to make a donation. Like, you're, you're one step ahead of the game, you know. I know, because I've been there. I've been sitting where you are during this parable, and I know what it's telling you. So I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Let's see what he does with it. Don't panic. Today is not one of those sermons. And as hard as it is to believe, I promise you, and I'm making this argument today, this passage is not about money. Okay? I promise you. Talents are money. They're a huge amount of money. We've, we've gone over that somewhat in one of these past sermons over these six weeks. A talent is a lot of money, but it's just a symbol. It's a symptom. It's a prop. Okay? It's not what the parable is about. This isn't about money any more than the parable of the sower is about seeds and farming. Okay? It's a symbol. It's not the real issue here. There are plenty of stories and teachings and parables that are about money, but this is not one of them. Nor is it about us as individuals. Because oftentimes I feel like we take this uh, parable personally, like it's about us. Uh, have you ever known someone who has what seems to be a spiritual gift for making everything about them? Uh, maybe you've worked uh, at work with somebody who was like that who made sure that whatever you were doing, uh, they, they accomplished the thing they wanted to accomplish. You were going to do that. So you were getting together, getting ready for a presentation, and someone's like, I think we need to make a PowerPoint presentation for this. And you're like, it's going to take like 90 seconds to, to present. We don't, we don't need that much time. No, I still think it would be clearer if we had a PowerPoint presentation and you say, okay, we can like draw it on a cocktail napkin. We can draw this on a piece of paper and hand everyone a copy. I, I thought we were going to make a PowerPoint presentation. I thought we had already settled on that. Right now, does anyone feel like volunteering to make the PowerPoint presentation? PowerPoint, PowerPoint, and finally you just go, yeah, fine, let's do the PowerPoint because I'm done. I want to go to lunch, right? But somehow they've, they've gotten their way every time with the PowerPoint. Then, uh, if you're going for a more advanced maneuver, uh, how many of you have known someone who can make everything about themselves even when it's about you? Uh, there is someone... I like to call the one-upper, meaning whatever you say, not only have they had that same experience, but they have had it ten times worse than you have had it, and they are willing to share that with you immediately. You say, I, you know, I didn't sleep very well last night, and they said, yeah, I haven't slept for three nights straight. You say, I had a hard day at work today, and they said, oh, no, 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 no. you didn't have a hard day. I have a hundred students. My day was way harder than your day. You said, I think I'm coming down with a cold. They said, I think I'm coming down with a bubonic plague. Like everything somehow is about them, and it's worse, and they've turned it around to be about them. The third guy in this parable strikes me as one of those kinds of people. He has the spiritual gift of everything is about me. So they all get these talents, right? They get so much money, and they, they aren't told to do anything with it. Let's be fair. The master doesn't say anything. He just entrusts his money to them, and then he leaves. So to his credit, he doesn't say, go out and make me more money. But two of them do. They know what he means. And matter of fact, the third guy knew what he meant, knew what he meant too, because he knows he's a hard case. And he just, the only thing he can think about, as soon as he gets his hands on this money, is, oh no, what is going to happen to me? <laughs> That's all he's thinking. This guy is a hard guy. And what is going to happen to me? It's like getting a gift from the Godfather. You're like, no, I don't want a favor from the Godfather. I don't know, want to know what I have to do to get 
get even there. Uh, if I lose it, I am toast. So I better be safe than sorry, because the last thing you want is a vengeful guy's money. So he goes and he buries it in the ground, makes sure that it's safe, nothing's going to happen to it. And to be honest with you, in that situation, I would very likely do the same exact thing. I'm going to put this thing in a lockbox. I'm going I'm to put it in a place that only I know about. I'm going to set a reminder on my phone to tell me where it is so I don't lose it. And it's going to be safe. It's going to be safe. Except, this parable is not about money. And it's not about the third guy. It's not about us as individuals. I'm convinced that it is about the kingdom of God. And that's what these talents are. That's what the, the treasure that has been entrusted to them is. It's the understanding. It's the uh, revelation about what the kingdom of God is. Jesus has given that to them. And now it is about what are you going to do with it? Because that's what Jesus has been talking about the entire duration of his ministry. And his teachings as they begin in the Sermon on the Mount. And then through his miracles even, and especially in the parables, he is describing what this kingdom of God that he is trying to initiate is. It's like this. It's like that. It's like a guy going out into a field and throwing seed everywhere, even where it doesn't belong. So in God's version of the world, there is forgiveness. One man forgives another because he has been forgiven of so much. Under God's reign, it is better to be good than fair. It is better to be generous and kind than just. And when we follow God's way, we think of others, we make peace with others, we give generously and graciously and even sacrificially to others. All of this is God's kingdom. Jesus says, the way that it is in heaven, let it so be done on earth. May your kingdom come to earth the way it was always intended to be. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is at hand, it's around the corner. And we can have a place in initiating it and growing it in this world. I heard a story this week, a cute little aside, about a manager of a place of work. And he went off, but he left a list of things to be done while he was gone. And he posted it on the wall, drew all the manager's attention to it, and then he left. And when he comes back, it's a while later, he comes back to see that not a thing on that list has been done. And so he gathers the managers together and he says, what seems to be the problem here? Because I thought I was very clear by making a list. Maybe I should have made a PowerPoint presentation. But I thought it was very clear with the list. And uh, the managers say, sir, we love the list. We've been treasuring this list. You'll notice that it's laminated and framed now on the wall where you left it. Uh, we have taken pieces of it and we've written it on pieces of paper. and We've actually posted it in our own homes. And around the store and in the community, we take pieces of your list and we put it around everywhere. We've memorized parts of it for our own personal encouragement when, when life gets hard. We, we bring up these parts of the list to encourage us to make sure that we carry on in the world. Uh, we write notes uh, and, and we've sent them in the mail. We have a, a stack of these postcards thanking you for the list. We are so grateful for the list, our dear manager. As a matter of fact, on Wednesdays, we have list studies. Uh, where we pour over and really get to know what is intended by the list. And we found that potluck dinners help attendance on those days uh, for, for list studies. And the manager says, that's fine, but I'd rather you have just did something with it. 
Christians, for centuries, have done a marvelous job of preserving the treasure that has been entrusted to us. So we have the scriptures, and we have studied them for centuries and considered them and kept them safe and saved them from destruction or, or perversion or dilution and all of these things. In the past five weeks or so here, we've been considering the parables, another treasure that has been entrusted to us. And, and maybe we understand a little bit more about them now. Maybe we, we come to, to think something of them and, and treasure them. Maybe we understand how different the kingdom of God is and the way that the world is. And maybe we really do want the kingdom of God set loose in our world because it's better than the way the world works now. But the question is, then what? What are we doing with it? As Patty said, are we keeping our talent to ourselves? The third guy sits on it. He buries it. He has this wonderful treasure, this exorbitant amount of money, and he seems content to just keep it safe. And I get that impulse, especially as a parent. I'm working hard on this fathering thing, y'all. And um, I'm trying to be good. Uh, so often, I've come to realize that I'm operating out of a mode of trying to keep my children safe, which I don't think is a bad thing, obviously. Uh, I think it's good to keep children safe. And so, you know, my kids are coming down the stairs, and I'm like, guys, walk slowly. One single file line, you know, go slow, don't run. There's no reason to run, especially when you're in sandals. Uh, yesterday we went out shopping, and every time we went out to the parking lot, I hold out my hand and I go, hand. As soon as we, we go out, hand, hold my hand, hold the hand. Uh, we're going to walk across the parking lot hand in hand. Not, not so baseless, I guess. But there are times when I have to check myself because we're getting ready to leave the house, and my impulse is... If I could just make them a suit of armor out of bubble wrap, I would feel okay today. But I know that's just not feasible. For one thing, I can't figure out how to fasten it on their head without suffocating them. Anyway, I know I need to let go of it. I realize that. I know I do. Because I don't want my girls to end up being, you know, afraid to try things or to mess up or fail or even to get scrapes and bruises. I don't want them to be afraid to do things like that. I want them to live and to learn, and to lose, and to try again, and to persevere until they eventually come to victory. I want them to experience that. I want them to grow up big, and strong, and brave, and smart, and wise, and kind, and all of these things, but they won't be able to do that if I wrap them in bubble wrap. And I know that. I know that. In the same way, we can't wrap up the kingdom of God, and keep it safe, and bury it, in the ground or lock it inside of the church because then it ceases to be the kingdom of God. Let's recap what we've been talking about the past few weeks. In the parable of the sower, we learned that the kingdom of God is absolutely unsensibly wasteful. <laughs> that it just goes everywhere. You just throw it everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's going to grow there or not. And you just do it. And instead of doing that, the third guy, what? He holds it in his hand. He doesn't put it anywhere. In the parable of the weeds, we find out that the kingdom of God is set loose out in this world, that it's not locked in a safe place where it can be pure. It is out in the world intermingling with those that it shouldn't be. And the third one, the third guy, he buries it at home, in his own home. 
The kingdom of God in these other parables, it gives to others. It is generous and good. It includes others. It brings others into the fold. And the third guy only seems concerned with himself. He is actually going against the very nature of the treasure that has been entrusted to him. The kingdom of God is not meant to be ours. It's meant to be used. This parable is one of uh, the last in Matthew. It's one of Jesus' last teachings. He's uh, rapidly approaching the end of his ministry, the end of his life. And to his followers who have been with him for, for years now, listening to him and hearing him and watching him and learning from him, he's trying to give them something because he's about to be gone. All of this that we've talked about, what are you going to do with it now? Because it's not meant to be treasured. It's not meant to be uh, kept for yourself and for your own enrichment. It's meant to be shared and to be lived out, to be taken to the world and traded, like those two first guys did. They go out into the world and they trade with it, and they make something out of it out in the world. It's meant to be given generously. The kingdom is meant to be scattered. It's meant to be out in the seedy parts of town with the wrong crowd. The kingdom of God flourishes in that sort of area, actually. And we end up creating more kingdom the more we use it. The master tells the first two servants, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Faithful. You might say trustworthy in your bulletin today. Word is faithful. Faithful. Who were they faithful to? Certainly the master, of course. They were faithful to the master. They did, and they were trustworthy in all those things. But they were also faithful to the gift to the treasure that had been entrusted to them. This kingdom is meant to be traded and used and made real in the world, and they were faithful to that. They were faithful to the kingdom, and they honored the gift that was given to them. I've told this story on Wednesday nights before, but I really like the story, so if you've heard it, you're going to have to hear it again. Uh, when I was in college, I became an apostle uh, for the restaurant of Subway. I was spreading the good news about Subway because our local Subway had tremendous deals for college students. So on Mondays, every Monday, you could go and you could get any foot-long sandwich you wanted, $3.49. I could not afford not to eat these sandwiches, okay? So I became the bearer of good news. And every class I would go into on Monday morning, I'd go up to the front before everyone got there, and I'd write on the board, $3.49 foot-long Subway today. Boom, underlined. I went and sat down. Teacher come in and go, and so I just became known for this, and I gathered a following, a, a core group, and we would go to the subway together with good news in our hearts, and we would eat three forty-nine foot that day. And we might even get another one to take home and put in our mini fridge uh, for later. So uh, I got really good at this pitch, right? And you got to come, you got to come three forty-nine, you know, get chips and a drink, the whole thing. Their cookies are amazing, you know, all the fringe benefits. I even got some professors to start coming with us. So us. Students, professors, we all sit around, eat sandwiches, it was a good time. And I constantly tried to get this one professor, his name was Dan Goodman. And Dan Goodman was a bit of a quirky guy. Uh, and it, it, it struck me as I needed to get this guy because he was the ultimate challenge. Because he brought his lunch every single day. And somehow it was known that he had the same lunch every day. It was a turkey sandwich, uh, a handful of ruffles in a plastic bag a piece of fruit, and 
Three, keyboard elf fudge stripe cookies. There was a legend that his wife got the wrong box of cookies one day, and he flipped out, could not handle it, went to the store himself and bought the right kind of cookie, because it had to be keyboard elf fudge stripe, otherwise it was not lunch, right? So this is the kind of guy we're dealing with. So I kept working on Goodman. You gotta come with us on Monday. 349 Footlock, you gotta come. We're all there, we want you there. You need to be there. It's, a, it's an opportunity for you to interrelate with us. And every time he would refuse, no, not going. I got, I got my lunch today, I got my lunch today. One day, he drives us somewhere, shows up in the parking lot, I come out. Welcome, sir. <laughs> We're so glad that you're here. Enter into the joy of your master. Come on in. Uh, and so he starts to come in. He's still hesitant. He gets up on the curb and he's looking and he starts to, to peter out. I say, no, 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 look, 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 you're here. Let's just eat together. And he says, but I have my lunch. My wife made my lunch today. <sighs> lunch again. And I said, you can save it. It'll, it'll steep. Put it in the fridge. It'll be ready for tomorrow. She won't have to make another one. And he says, Rory? You've got to respect the sack lunch. He gets in his car and he drives away and he does not eat Subway that day. And I'm left going, what is this guy? What, what kind of creature is he? Quirky guy, quirky story, if you think it's about lunch. But it's not. It's really not. What he was saying was, you have to respect the sack lunch. He was saying you have to respect the gift. It was a gift. His wife made him lunch, and the purpose of lunch was to be eaten. And so he was honoring the gift that his wife gave him, respecting sack lunch. You know, we have been given so much. You know, we're getting close to entering into our 75th year at First Baptist Oak Ridge. That's pretty big, pretty big deal. 75 years in this place. That's a legacy that we've been handed down, a treasure that's been entrusted to us. And it's ours now. It's in our hands. What are we going to do with it? One option is to hold on. You know, we don't want to risk it. We don't want to run the thing in the ground, not on our watch. You know, we'll hand it on to the next generation. Maybe they'll do something with it. And I get that. I get that impulse. I really do. But we have to be faithful to the gift. We have to honor the nature of the gift that has been given to us. And this church was not meant to be locked away. It was meant to be a blessing, a device of the kingdom for this community. More importantly, we as Christians have been entrusted with the treasure of the kingdom of God itself. Our ancestors have handed it down to us, some of which who wanted to hold on to it and tried to, and it failed miserably. But others, thank the Lord, went out and traded with it and made more kingdom. And it came down to us. They were faithful to God and they gave it and they set it loose in the world. And so now it comes to us. And we can do the same. We, because God has made it so we can forgive, we can love, we can give all of it away without any fear. And when our time comes, we are before our Master. We might find that we have more than we started with. There is more kingdom in our hands than when we had begun. And he will smile and say to us, Well done, good and faithful servants. Come.
enter into the joy of your master in his full kingdom, which you 